you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode 105, 105 of the Banner Branch Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Happy New Year. Hope it was fun. Hope it was safe. Hope everything so far in 2021 is light years better than everything going on or what was going on in 2020, I should say. But as always, you can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBrancher18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Podcast. And as you know, or if it's your first time listening, welcome. But I am part of the Big Night Media team with a bunch of great podcasts like The Marky P Show, Eat the Damn Cake, Those Girls You Know, Drinks After Work, The Let's Get Rich Podcast, and Burnt Toast. All very great, fun, enjoyable podcasts. A little bit of everything for everyone. And if you're into sports cards, don't forget to check out Big Night Breaks with Chris Costa and Timmy Tense. You can also go to bneg.com and make a reservation for an igloo. What the hell does that mean? Well, you know those cool little igloos, you know, that all the basic bitches like? You know, you know those little igloos that people like? Well, you can now go to CBS Sporting Club, down at Patriot Place, sit in an igloo, have some drinks, have some dinner, and look at Gillette Stadium. What could beat that, especially in the winter? Nothing, nothing at all. So go to bneg.com, make a reservation. But more importantly, drum roll, please. Big night shop.com big night shop.com there is now banner banter podcast merchandise hoodies t-shirts long sleeves snapbacks dad hats beanies and i think they may be up by now if not they will be up soon waterproof quarter zips that's right i love quarter zips every season is q z season quarter zips for life but yeah Go check it out. Banner, banter podcast. Oh, the merchandise is fantastic. Go to bignightshop.com. Click on the Big Night Media tab. You can see Banner, banter podcast. Click it, buy it, enjoy it, wear it, support it, appreciate it. All right. So before we begin uh, episode 105 of the Banner, banter podcast, let me just mention that I would just like to send my condolences to Paul Westfall and his entire family. Paul Westfall passed away at the age of 70 over the weekend due to his battle with brain cancer, which is cancer sucks. Uh, I've lost a, just cancer sucks. Lost a, a family, well, not a family friend, a friend of mine, his mother passed away recently due to cancer and cancer just sucks. So if you know anyone battling with it, I hope they stay strong. If you've lost anyone because of cancer, I'm very sorry. Cancer sucks. And Paul Westfall passed away at the age of 70 due to his battle with brain cancer. Like I just mentioned, he played for the Celtics for about four or five years in the early seventies, won a championship with the Celtics in 1974 he was a player for the Phoenix Suns. He was a player for the Seattle Supersonics. He was a coach for the Seattle Supersonics. He was a coach for the Sacramento Kings. He was a coach for the New York Knicks. He's in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And 
If you know Paul Westfall, the player, and you're listening to this podcast, hello, how are you? Hope you're doing well. If you're a little bit younger, you may remember Paul Westfall from the 1993 NBA Finals when the Chicago Bulls played the Phoenix Suns. Paul Westfall was the coach of that team. Charles Barkley, Danny Ainge, uh, Kevin Johnson, Dan Marley, that whole group. He coached that team to the NBA Finals. Great guy. Every single person that I read on Twitter that actually knew him spoke very highly of him. Danny Ainge played for him, played with him. Knowed him uh, he knew him very well. So rest in peace to Paul Westfall, another Celtics legend. Things come in three. Paul Westfall, Casey Jones, Tommy Heinsohn. Hopefully the Celtics fan base and the Celtics organization does not have to lose another Celtics legend anytime soon. So let's get into everything that happened over this very busy week for the Boston Celtics. They had four games this past week, and guess what? They have four games this upcoming week too. This NBA schedule is jam-packed. It's going to be crazy every single week. So sit back, grab some milk, grab a cookie. I, I, I don't know. If you're driving in the car, hopefully there's no traffic, and let's do this. So Celtics are currently 4-3. and three. They've won three out of the last four games. I projected or predicted, whatever the hell you want to call it, that they would go 4-0 this week. They went 3-1, and one, so I'll take it. They're currently second in the Atlantic Division behind the Philadelphia 76ers. And as of right now, at about 7 o'clock on Sunday night, which is when I'm recording this, they're in sixth place in the Eastern Conference. Right now, out of the playoffs, Toronto Raptors, Milwaukee Bucks, and the Miami Heat. So everyone going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs because the Celtics lost to the Pistons the other night. Let's do it all together. You ready? Deep breaths. It's very early in the season. Deep breath. Ready? One more time. All right. So to start the week, they split their series with the Pacers. They won 116-111 to in Indiana. They absolutely destroyed the Grizzlies at TD Garden, 126-107. to then they lost to the Detroit Pistons on Friday night in Detroit, which was beyond frustrating, 96-93. to uh, And then they beat the Detroit Pistons tonight, or I should say Sunday afternoon, 122-120. to So let's recap the second game of the Pacers miniseries. Uh, Brad went with the same starting lineup. Brad had the same starting lineup every single game this week, which was Smart, Jalen, Jason Tatum, Daniel Tice, and Tristan Thompson. I don't like that starting lineup. Through the first three games, okay, through the first three games, this team or this starting lineup has been outscored 80-62. to 62. In the first quarter, the Celtics' offensive rating with the starting lineup is 99.7. Anything after that is 126 point something. It's ridiculous. Chris Forsberg from NBC Sports Boston wrote an article about it. Go over there. Check it out. If you like that starting lineup, if you think what I said at the beginning of the year that I don't want to see it, it's every single reason why I didn't want to see it. It happened, but here we are. One of the things that kind of frustrated me early in this second Pacers game on Monday, or was it Tuesday? No, yeah, it was on Tuesday, was that Jason Tatum was getting double teamed off pick and rolls. And he was, like, surprised by it and didn't know how to react to it. Breaking news, Jason. You're arguably, maybe not so far this season, but going into the season, you are arguably the best Celtics player. And I know he'll get used to it. But it just might be something that we all might not have any patience for because this cannot be surprising to anyone in any way, shape, or form. Jason Tatum needs to be better in this aspect. And he he, he did a much better job tonight or whenever you listen to the podcast Sunday afternoon against the Pistons he had 12 points he passed out of it very well he created 
a lot of different options for a lot of different guys, especially Daniel Tice in the fourth quarter. But with that being said, in this game, he sucked at it. He absolutely sucked at it. With that being said, some of the good things that we did see from the starting lineup, Daniel Tice, Tristan Thompson, they worked on a couple nice give and goes. That was that really made me happy. Marcus Smart decided to attack the rim, trying to get to the line, even though some of the shots are ridiculous, and sometimes he's not going to get fouled on all of them, and sometimes they may even go in. I think when that happens, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown need to cut to the basket more, and that way they can get easy hoops. Marcus Smart's passing is good. It's not phenomenal. It's not great. He shouldn't be the, you know, the starting point guard of any NBA team. He can facilitate, no doubt about it, but he doesn't have that type of vision where if someone was going to cut back door, he'd find him. Now, every once in a while, he throws a sick pass, and it's great, but it just doesn't work all the time. And luckily, Jalen did get going in the first quarter a little bit because he was a huge part of the 13-3 run to get the Celtics back into the lead because they were down early a little bit. Because with this starting five in every single game that they've played except for the Grizzlies game, because Tristan Thompson didn't play because they're not going to play him in back-to-back games with hamstring injury or his his previous hamstring injury. He, he's not going to play a lot in these back-to-backs, just like I'm sure Kemba's not going to play in a lot of back-to-back when he comes back. But they, they're starting slow, and it showed. So luckily, Jalen was able to get going. He extended the Celtics' lead to six. But then him and Victor Oladipo were going back and forth. And that was just fun to watch. I know Scal mentioned it a lot, and I know a lot of people are annoyed with Scal with everything that he's done so far this year. I'm very hit or miss on him. Sometimes he's great. Other times it's like, oh, boy. But overall, seeing those two players go at it's two players that are athletic. They're very versatile to go back and forth. What made the game more enjoyable. Brad Stevens, just like he did in the later part of Game 1 against the Pacers series, brought Javante Green to handle Doug McDermott, a.k.a. Dougie Buckets, to come off screens. And he played the entire second quarter, which was pretty remarkable when you think about it. To have a guy come off the bench who may only play like 8, 9, maybe 10, 12 minutes a game, literally played all 12 minutes of the second quarter. So a tip of the cap to uh, Javante Green there. But the Celtics were up 4 after quarter 1 in Game 1. And in game two, they're up five. So that's an improvement. It's a one-point improvement. And I'm pretty sure they only lost by, what, a point in game one. So you're starting to feel good. Absolutely. But Miles Turner played so much better in game one versus game two. So the people who didn't want Miles Turner were like, did you see game one? And the people who didn't want Miles Turner were like, did you see what Danny Ainge missed in game two? So it kind of... Evened itself out, if you will. I think the Miles Turner fans were like, Danny Ainge is an idiot. But if you watch game one, you're like, this kid's not consistent enough and he's not worth that type of money or to ship all that out and only get that in return. So second quarter comes around. The Celtics offense really had to work hard for a good look. Like the Pacers just hustled and hustled and hustled. And the Celtics, you know, played some good transition defense. They They did get back, but they gave up a lot of three-pointers. In game one, the Pacers made seven three-pointers total. Seven. And halfway through the second quarter, yeah, halfway through the second quarter in quarter two, they made eight. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. The Celtics were allowing Brogdon and Oladipo to get their shots, and they couldn't make multiple stops to go on a run. So it's tough to expand the lead when you're not giving any effort on defense and you're allowing teams to score easy points. So that was tough. And the other thing that was really noticeable in this game, Jason Tatum needs to catch the ball more in the post. Like I know, I know I've mentioned that before, but he has unlimited moves 
when he's when he's got the ball and his back's facing the basket when he's about you know 15 16 feet out he can do so many things i mean he got the ball with what seven and a half seconds left in the second half and did the same exact thing as he did in game one that was frustrating and the reason why it was frustrating is because after game one he said hey i need to learn from that i need to realize Again, I'm exaggerating what he said a little bit, but he basically knew that shot was stupid. He needed to do better. There are better shots for him, and he has to learn from that. But he didn't do that at the end of the second or at the end of the second quarter, which was so frustrating, so frustrating. But I love seeing that the Celtics got nine offensive rebounds to the Pacers zero. Finally, finally, they the Celtics defense stinks right now. It really does. But if they can limit teams to not get second chance opportunities, you can live with it. It's still not ideal, but you can live with it. Now, going into the second half of the Pacers game, you're a little stressed because the Celtics suck in the third quarter and they give up a three instantly and now they're down two because they're only up one going into the half. And the Celtics defense was awful. It was so bad. But luckily, thankfully, Jalen Brown was fantastic again, especially with his pick and roll. His dribbling this year has been unbelievable. If you've been listening to this podcast from the very beginning, I have ripped Jalen Brown a new one week after week after week because I don't understand how a professional basketball player can be so bad at dribbling the basketball. Listen, I'm I know I was shorter because I'm you know five foot ten on a good day, and I played point guard, and I had to do so many dribbling sessions. I would be in my mother's basement, dribbling the basketball nonstop because I knew that's what I had to do. I don't understand how a professional athlete like Jalen Brown, who's so talented and so good at a lot of things that he does, can suck at dribbling so much. But that has improved so much, and I really think that's why Jalen Brown is one of the top leading scorers in the NBA this year. He's playing at a different level right now, and it looks like the game is slowing down for him, and that's fantastic, and that's all you want to see. If the game can start slowing down for Jalen Brown and the things that are not that he has not done well get better, he's going to be a force. With that being said, he still needs to make his free throws. He really does. And Daniel Tice needs to finish a dunk, for the love of God. Daniel Tice, minus this second Pistons game, has been awful around the rim this year. Absolutely awful. So the Pacers obviously build up a big lead. Celtics get the lead down to one, then allow TJ Warren to go off, and they allow a 10-to-1 run. TJ Warren needs foot surgery. He's going to be out for a little bit. I mentioned previously, before the Pacers series, he had a little bit of a foot problem. They tried to have him play through it. It didn't work out. He's going to be out for a while. So it'll be interesting to see how the Pacers adjust to that with how well he played in the bubble and how well he has played so far this year. So fourth quarter comes around. The Celtics are down 11. They finally say, fuck it. Let's try and play some defense. Celtics go on a 27-6 run, including a 5-0 run at one point by Peyton Pritchard, who was awesome. And they take the lead. And you, you just want to say to yourself, where the hell was this in the third quarter? But my therapist is telling me to stay more positive, especially in 2021, and I realize it's a game of runs, so we're going to move on, and we're going to accept this 27-6 run. Peyton Pritchard, at times during this game, made Marcus Smart look lazy, and we can all argue that Marcus Smart is the hardest-working guy on the floor day in and day out, but 
in this game, Peyton Pritchard made Marcus Smart look lazy. It was it was crazy. One of the craziest plays of the game was he forced a turnover. Victor Oladipo started running down the floor with the ball. And Peyton Pritchard ran so fast and so hard to strip the ball from him off of Oladipo's Celtics ball. If Oladipo got an in one, got a layup off of it, whatever the case may be, the whole ball game could have been changed. So props to Peyton Pritchard for going all out. Luckily, Jason Tatum took over for a little bit, caught the ball at the elbow, backed it down, got easy hoops as he should, which is what you want to see Jason Tatum do more. Then Jalen and Jason attacked the rim, got to the line, which was very nice to see, especially when things aren't going great for the offense. You want to see your two best players or your three best players, whatever the case may be, get to the line more. But the issue is they went two of four from the line in the closing part of the game. That sucks. Jalen Brown went to the free throw line. 10 times and he only made five of them that sucks that just like the dribbling that i just ranted about a little bit how can you bad be bad at free throw shooting it's unbelievable and we'll talk about free throw shooting later on but they went to the line 37 times as a team which is nice to see but again they gave up a lot of fast break points even though they did score a lot of fast break points they pulled out the win 116 to 111 split it with the pacers gave them their first loss of the season so that was good so you're feeling good you're moving on to the Grizzlies game, which was Wednesday night at TD Garden. You're back at home. Jeff Teague started for Tristan Thompson since, again, he wasn't going to play in the back-to-back. Tatum was iffy to start the game due to a sprained left thumb from Saturday, uh, from Sunday's game. You could see that in the second half, Tatum's thumb was wrapped up a little bit. And you were, I mean, I, I don't want to say I was concerned. Guys get their, you know, their fingers jammed and stuff. But it was interesting that it was a sprained thumb. But since the Grizzlies game, whether it was against, or either Pistons game, I don't think it was wrapped up. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think it was wrapped up. And it really didn't help early because Daniel Tice hurt his wrist early early in the Grizzlies game too. So you're like, oh my God, here we go. The hospital Celtics are back. But even though the Celtics did come f- out flat, they didn't look great early. They got some energy and they had a nice 14-3 run, thanks again to Jalen Brown. During that run, Brandon Clark had a very nice alley-oop. And let me let me just say this, Brandon Clark did not have his best game. We all know I'm a big fan of Brandon Clark. I wanted the Celtics to draft him. But every single thing that you saw from Brandon Clark, I promise you, is better than anything that you saw from Grant Williams. And just a reminder, Grant Williams, even though I like him as a person and as a basketball player, did not play in the Pistons game and the Celtics won. It would be very interesting to see if Brandon Clark could guard a Blake Griffin or a Jeremiah Grant. A little bit more versatility, a little bit more height than Grant Williams. But We'll move on. When Daniel Tice did get back into the game, he played really well. Daniel Tice, when he plays at the five, he's very good. And I think he's a lot more comfortable. And I think he'll even admit that too. And maybe he has, and I've just missed the quote. But Daniel Tice playing at the five is so important. To me, I would rather have Peyton Pritchard and Tristan Thompson come off the bench and be like the best of friends. So, like, the Energy Brothers. Instead of the Bash Brothers from the Mighty Ducks, the Energy Brothers. We can call them EB. Like, I think it would be fantastic and phenomenal if those two got on the same page. If you could have the second unit be Peyton Pritchard, Jeff Teague, Jason Tatum, Grant Williams, Tristan Thompson. A lot of energy there. Or if replace, you know, Tristan Thompson with, I mean, uh, replace Jason Tatum with Jalen Brown. It, it You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. But back to Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice playing at the five. He looks more comfortable. He knows where he should be in Brad's offensive system. 
And him and Marcus Smart just work well together. Their pick and roll was on point. Daniel Tice got some easy jumpers out of it. He got some easy layups out of it. Marcus Smart hit some three-pointers off of it that worked out well because the guys were going under the screen, so Marcus knew that he could shoot over that, which was perfectly fine. And then, of course, because of that, we got Marcus Smart's first heat check of the season, and it was absolutely awful. Oh, my God, it was so off, but it was so on brand with Marcus Smart. But one of the things that I did really appreciate from Daniel Tice is I think this thing with Tristan Thompson being not only on the team, but in the starting lineup, the Time Lord has admitted that he has shown he has learned some things from Tristan Thompson about how hard he should play on the floor. And Tristan Thompson is probably one of the better offensive rebounders in the league. And Daniel Tice did a great job on the offensive glass during this game with Tristan Thompson out. So hopefully this has given Daniel Tice a little slap in the ass to say, hey, I need to work harder on the offensive glass. So bravo by Daniel Tice in this game. And I don't know. The Celtics defense in the first half was awesome, but it was a it was against a crappy team. I mean, the Grizzlies didn't have John Morant, last year's rookie of the year. They didn't have Jaron Jackson Jr., who was one of the best, you know, up and comers in the league. But they did get seven steals in the first quarter. So you say to yourself, hey, we'll take it. And the Celtics made their defense look good. Or I'm sorry, they made their offense look good thanks to the good defense. They went on a twenty two to six run. The Celtics hit seven three pointers in the first ten minutes of the second quarter. That's fantastic. I love it. I think they only hit like eight game, eight three-pointers in the Pacers game. It, you know, I, I could be off on that, but like one of the Pacers games, they couldn't hit the ocean. Even if they were standing literally in Mothers Vineyard. They they couldn't do it. But if you can do that and blow some teams out, that makes things better and gives you a little bit of confidence. I mean, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in the first half combined for 40 points, and they were 9 of 12 from 3. That's lovely. That's super-duper. What a way to end the year. I, I love it. I love it. Now, Jalen Brown dropped 42 points, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And I wanted Jalen Brown to drop 50, but let's be serious. Brad Stevens doesn't think like that. He wants some rest for those guys. Busy week. Busy couple weeks coming ahead for the Celtics. I'm fine with it. So Aaron Neesmith came in, and he looked lost out there. Like like it was an ABC. Like, I, I, I can't even describe. He looked like an ABC show. Yeah, lost. That, that's what he looked like. His first shot that he took went to Ireland. That's how far it went. It went so far over the rim, it just sailed across the Atlantic Ocean. It was long gone. See you later. Bye-bye. But he settled in a bit, did hit some shots, but he clearly isn't ready to go yet. And Brad Stevens mentioned that, that Peyton Pritchard's ready to go. And that's why Peyton Pritchard's getting about 20 minutes a game. Aaron Neesmith is not ready to go, and that's fine. Now, I'm, I'm okay to be patient with it because I believe in Aaron Neesmith. I can't be patient with Romeo Langford because I do not believe in him. Do you, do you see the difference? But Aaron Neesmith needs to come off screens more. And it's tough to run those type of offensive sets when you're up 25 points. You're just running through the motions at that point. So Aaron Neesmith will get his in time. We just have to be patient with it. And, you know, Carson Edwards came in in the fourth quarter and had himself a nice little game. I was very impressed with Carson Edwards. And that is about how far I'll go because I don't want to see Carson Edwards out that much. Now, obviously, that's a good thing. Why do you ask? Because the Celtics are blowing out a team. But I'm really not trying to see Carson Edwards out on the floor that much. All right. The Pistons. little mini-series against the Pistons. Two games in Detroit, one on Friday, one on Sunday. They obviously lost the first one 96-93 after one of the most horrific first quarters I've seen in quite a long time. And then on Sunday, they beat the Pistons again. Or, I'm sorry for the first time, 
122 to 120. Same starting lineup. Again, Thompson, Tice, Tatum, Brown, Marcus Smart. Blake Griffin was out for the um, Pistons because of a concussion protocol, and Sadiq Bey stepped in. Sadiq Bey, that name may sound familiar because that's who I wanted the Celtics to draft instead of Aaron Neesmith. And the first possession of the game, Aaron uh, Sadiq Bey came out and stuck a three in the corner. He finished, I think it was like 17 points, six rebounds, and was a plus 12 for a team that won. Not too bad for a rookie stepping in in his first game. That's all I have to say. But the Celtics had five points in the first eight minutes into the game. They had more turnovers than points. Vomit City. Not a great way to bring in the new year. Shots weren't falling. They were giving up easy hoops. It's really the same old story for why they almost lost the Bucks game, why they lost against the Nets, and why they lost against the Pacers. They just sucked. They just didn't seem interested, and it just stinks that this group that calls themselves like young and hungry and determined and focused, they just sucked. It stunk so bad that Carson Edwards played in the first quarter. That's how bad it was. It was ridiculous. But second quarter, it took a few possessions, but the Celtics' energy finally showed up. Pritchard's man-to-man defense on the other rookie, Killian Hayes, was phenomenal. It was physical. It was in his face. Killian Hayes felt so uncomfortable, and it threw off his entire game. With that being said, Jeremiah Grant said, hey, if you can't handle the pressure, I will. He dropped, I think, 20 points, maybe even 22 points in the first half. But with that being said, Brad Stevens did do a great job with him in the second half, and I think he only held him to five, six, maybe seven points at the max in the second half because if Jeremiah Grant kept going off, it would have been a much, much different game. But Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum got going at the end of the second quarter, which was good, and it gave you a little bit more confidence that maybe the Celtics can chip away at this lead and they can win this game. And the other thing that helped out was Marcus Smart's shooting early in or halfway through the second quarter. That That's what kept him in it. I mean, again, Tatum, ISO, with less than a minute to go in the half, is driving me absolutely insane. He's treating it like you're by yourself, you're 10 years old, and you're like, three, two, one, and you throw the shot six houses down, like from where your basketball hoop's located in your backyard. Like, those are the type of shots that he's throwing up. You got to realize that there's four other people out there, but, but again, patience. Patience. This team's going to be okay. Third quarter. Halftime. What the hell are the Celtics going to do? They're down a lot. They absolutely sucked in the first quarter. They usually suck in the third quarter. But they came out strong. They shot the ball well. They defended. They got back on defense, which we haven't seen a lot this year. So you're like, okay. So literally, I thought from the first three minutes of the third quarter, Celtics are going to win this game. I really did, and went back and forth for a bit. The refs lost control, but the Celtics got it to six. Tatum dropped 14 in the third quarter, and you're like, all right, let the game come to him. Everything's going to be fine. Fourth quarter rolls around. Jalen came out and said, this game's mine. He starts taking over. The Time Lord came in and was great on defense and on the boards, too. He he keeps improving. The Time Lord keeps improving, and I love seeing it. I've pushed and literally shoved the Time Lord down all of your throats over these first 104, 105 podcasts that I've done, I really think this kid can really help this team, and he has so far this year. And then, of course, he got hurt. Need a knee to Derrick Rose, and you're like, oh, my God, of course. Of course. Of course he did. 
Tatum hits two huge three-pointers by great passes from Jeff Teague and Jeff Smart. And then Teague and Smart, late in the game, make life easy for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Marcus Smart and Jeff Teague, veteran guys, they've been in the league for a while, good facilitators. They know that they are not the number one scoring option. Now, at times, Marcus Smart may think that he is, but in this particular situation he knew he wasn't and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum got involved more they got the ball more and really helped the Celtics get this lead back then with about three minutes eh, maybe four minutes to go the Celtics reached the 93 point mark and then they got cold and they were down one with 48 seconds to go they had a bunch of great looks and couldn't get to the hoop and I understand that people want to blame Brad Stevens but from what I saw out there it was all on the players Brad Stevens at times needs to work on his rotations. Sometimes he leaves guys out there too long. Sometimes he doesn't give them enough playing time. The starting lineup stinks. We can go on and on. But if you ask me, if Grant Williams is wide open in the corner, even though we're all like, Jason Tatum attacked the basket, and Jason Tatum attacks the basket, next thing you know, he has four open guy, or four guys around him that are not on his team, and he kicks out to someone wide open in the corner, and that person misses it, not a big deal. Marcus Smart drives to the basket and airballs a layup, that is on the player. Marcus Smart airballs a three-pointer that was wide open, that is on the player. Marcus Smart in transition takes that three, probably a little too far out for all of our liking. Again, that is on the player. Jason Tatum missed a shot, wide open. That is on the, I mean, Jason Tatum missed a fadeaway jumper from the foul line in this game. And guess what? Fire Brad Stevens. In the second game against the Pistons, Sunday, he hit that shot just from the other side of the court, and people were like, Jason Tatum, so good. So which one is it? If Jason Tatum makes that shot against the Pistons, no one's mad at Brad Stevens. Jason Tatum misses the shot, everyone's mad at Brad Stevens. Which one is it? Make up your mind. Brad Stevens, sure, he has some flaws. Okay, and we all know that I'm a Brad Stevens stand, so this shouldn't be uh, an incredible or shocking rant on my end. But if you have five or six open shots with three and a half minutes to go, most teams, most fans, hell, most coaches, GMs, presidents, owners, scouts, whatever you want to call it, they are going to be okay with that. Because if all the shots fall, And the Celtics win by eight. Oh, what a great team win. This team came back after such a shitty first quarter. Oh, my God. Look out for this team. This team's coming back. But because the shots were missed, blame the coach. What? Yep, blame the coach. He's an idiot. It just just doesn't make any sense. The rotation's fine. I, I, I just don't get how people just bash on... Blaming the coach is so lazy. It really is. You know, it's kind of like the Patriots this year. Sure, Bill Belichick didn't have his best coaching year. But Cam Newton also sucked. So, like, you do we want to fire Bill Belichick now because Cam Newton sucked? Oh, but because Jason Tatum missed a shot at the end of the game, it's Brad's fault. But he makes the same shot the next game and Jason Tatum's, you know, the next Michael Jordan, but Brad Steven gets no compliments at all. Absolutely unbelievable. So let's go into Sunday night's recap of the Celtics game. The Celtics, their offense finally showed up in the fourth quarter. How the offense should look. But again, same starting lineup. It starts too slow and it has to change. And I understand that Trishan Thompson and Daniel Tice were combined 
12 of 18. They had 27 points, 15 rebounds. They played very well together. I get that. I'm over it, though. You you can't start like this. You can't start. Oops, excuse me. You cannot start start this slow. It's driving me crazy. I mean, Peyton Pritchard was the first one off the bench for Jason Tatum. Like, Peyton Pritchard came in for Jason Tatum. Think about that for a second. That shouldn't happen. But Jalen Brown stepped up. The last two possessions of the first quarter by Jason Tatum. Again. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, I, I don't understand what happens. It drives me insane. The shot that Jason Tatum took at the end of the first quarter literally made me want to go to the bathroom, put my finger down my throat, and throw up. It was horrific. Absolutely terrible. But then, in the second quarter, even though it took a little bit, Jason Tatum made some really nice shots, got a lot of people involved, okay? And he was fantastic. That second quarter that Jason Tatum had, I know not a lot of people are going to talk about it, but to me, it was awesome. Jason Tatum being able to be the number one scoring option with a bunch of other bench players is so vital to this team. I talked about how Jalen Brown has to do it, but it really all starts with Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum has to score 8, 9, 10 points every single time he's out with the second unit. Every single time. I trust Jalen Brown more consistently right now, not overall. Let me say that again. Right now, because this year, Jalen Brown's been the better player than Jason Tatum. But Jason Tatum, getting the other people involved and trusting his teammates is so important. This game, people are going to be like, oh, Tatum hit that big shot. Jason Tatum had 12 assists in this game, folks. 12 assists, a career high. I've, I will do anything for Jalen Brown to get his teammates more involved. Jalen Brown had six turnovers in this game. He only had four assists. You never want to see that, especially from one of your stars. But... If Jason Tatum can pick up his defense, because again, Jason Tatum's defense is so bad right now. He did have a very nice block at the end of the game on Derrick Rose. He swatted him, even though Derrick Rose thought he could beat him off the dribble. But if Jason Tatum's defense can pick up and he can trust his teammates like he did tonight and pass out of those double-team pick-and-roll traps like he did with Daniel Tice. I mean, there were one possession. I love how Brad kind of switched that up where he asked Jason Tatum to bring up the ball. Tice sets a screen. The Pistons and Dwayne Casey decided, let's trap Tatum off pick and rolls. He passed the ball to, to Tice. Tice threw one up, alley-oop for Tristan Thompson. He threw another one for a floater. Another one led to a couple more extra passes. Jalen Brown hit a shot. It was fantastic. If Jason Tatum can score with the second unit and also get those guys involved and those guys build up their confidence and hit shots, watch out. Watch out. But the other thing I was super impressed with, Time Lord. His impact in the second quarter was great. His impact in the second half was great. He's also more active on offense. Like, he's looking for the ball and willing to catch it, where I feel like the game was just too fast for him, and he wasn't expecting passes so early in on his career. And, you know, I say that like he's been in the league for eight years. This is only his third year. So he's looking for the ball. He's prepared. He's finishing stronger, and I love to see it. The other thing that I love to see, you know, the Celtics had a four-point lead going into halftime. And Brad Stevens called a timeout after two lazy, careless turnovers by the Celtics 35 seconds in. You love to see it, but guess what? No one's going to talk about it. The starting lineup couldn't push the lead past six in the third quarter, and that was for about eight and a half minutes until Brad decided to switch it up. So they did play pretty well for eight and a half minutes. They kept even with the Detroit Pistons. Not ideal. The Pistons do have a lot of talent around them. It's not like they're a bad team. It's just I don't know how it all works. You know what I'm saying? But the fourth quarter came around, and Shemi Ojale stuck three three-pointers 
Shemi Ojale has shut me up this year. I talked about, you know, in the preseason, I wanted to see Shemi Ojale out there. So a lot of teams want him. A lot of teams love him. So we can get a little bit extra something, something. If Danny Ainge decides to use a trade exception, they send Shemi Ojale out. But right now, Shemi Ojale is playing better than Grant Williams. For real. He really is. He had 11 points in this game, maybe even 12, but he hit three three-pointers in the fourth quarter. Huge. Absolutely huge. And then both teams went back and forth a little bit. The Celtics had a nice lead. Pacers went on a little bit of a run thanks to their shooter. I don't even know how to pronounce that, that kid's name. Uh, what? Mylakula? Mylakook? Shibananaya should have bought a Honda. Either way, whatever his name is, he hit some big threes for the Pistons, and the fact that the Celtics couldn't find the shooter was infuriating. It shows that their defense has so much work to do, but at the end of the game, with about 40 seconds left, Brad Stevens threw up a great play to Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown had another phenomenal game. I believe Jalen Brown had about 12 or 13 shot attempts going into the fourth quarter, and before he hit that three-pointer with about 45 seconds left, he only had one shot attempt. That is not acceptable by the coaches and the players, especially for someone that is playing as well as Jalen Brown. But Brad Stevens still trusts Jalen Brown enough, and Jalen Brown still had enough confidence in himself to take that three-point shot that he stuck. So salute to Brad and salute to Jalen Brown. Bravo. Job well done. I love it. Absolutely love it. And then Jason Tatum gets the ball at the top of the key, off of a screen. He has Blake Griffin on him, which... Blake Griffin is not the same guy that used to jump over Key Optimus. Literally learned, learned. He learned from his mistake against the Pacers. He got the ball, went to his left hand, stopped, knew that Blake Griffin couldn't get there in time, faded away, stuck the shot, and then played some great defense at the end. He hit that shot with about 2.9 seconds left. Blake Griffin gets the ball. Jason Tatum blocks him. Celtics win. They win three out of the four games this week. You love to see it. You really and truly do. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't great. But there were a lot of improvements with this team, minus the defense. It will get there. Patience. Patience is a virtue. And because of that, let's talk about the good and the bad with your stud and dud of the week. Hit the music. And now, it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud. Of the week. Alrighty, your stud and dud of the week, the first one of 2021, and the stud is Jalen Brown. He was incredible once again. He is looking like an all-star, an all-NBA team-like player. He averaged 29.5 points, 66% from the field, absolutely phenomenal he's improved so much this season and it can only get better from here hopefully the shooting can keep up even if it goes down a little bit that's okay i'm not expecting jalen brown to shoot 66 percent from the field all year and if you are take a chill pill and relax okay absolutely ridiculous if you think that now i would like to see jalen brown rebound the ball more i mean he only had i think one or two rebounds in this pistons game for someone that size that athletic 
with those type of hops and that type of physicality, Jalen Brown needs to read the rebound the ball more. I would also like to see less turnovers from Jalen Brown, but again, that happens, especially with someone who has the ball in his hands as much as Jalen Brown. But Jalen Brown, his scoring, his attacking the rim, obviously his free throw shooting can improve, but 29.5 points this week. I think it was going into the fourth quarter before he stuck that big three. Jalen Brown had more points than anyone else in the NBA. How is he not the stud of the week? So Jalen Brown is your stud of the week. And then the dud of the week is the free is the free throw shooting. Okay? The free throw shooting in plain English is... It's fucking embarrassing! Yeah, it's embarrassing. It's awful. So let's break down all four games. 27 of 37 against the Pacers. And you lose by what? Two points? Three points? What? Well, no. That was the game that they won by five. Sorry. I got... I got Sunday and Tuesday mixed up. So they win by five, even though they went 27 to 37 from the line. You hit a couple more, it's not as stressful. Grizzlies game, they blew them out, but they only got to the free throw line 14 times. Fucking embarrassing. Then you play the Detroit Pistons, you lose by three points, and you go seven of 14 from the line. You know what that is? It's fucking embarrassing. 50% from the, 50%. Fucking embarrassing. 50% in a game that you lost by three points. And then... In the first half of the Pistons game, they shot zero free throws. In the first half of the Sunday Pistons game, zero free throws. You know what that is? Fucking embarrassing! Yeah. So they took 13 in the second half and finished 9 of 13. So they went 27 to 37, 12 out of 14, 7 out of 14, and then 9 of 13. They are bottom five in the league in free throw percentage. Bottom five in the league in free throw attempts per game. In third to last in free throw maids per game they're shooting 70 percent total 70 fucking percent from the free throw line if that's 80 we could be talking about this team you're not gonna like i don't know looking back at some of the games this team could be five and two instead of four and three maybe six and one maybe maybe it's awful it's ridiculous. It has to change immediately. The free throw shooting has to change. I don't care if it's a whole practice and all they do is free throw shooting, but it has to change. All right. The Celtics have four games this week, two on the road, two at home. Give you a quick little preview of each, and hopefully they can they can win out. If the Celtics can survive this week and go and win another three out of four games, that will be huge because then they're going to be, what, seven and four? And I think a lot of people are going to be happy. So, it's going to start tonight if you're listening on Monday. And if you're listening on Tuesday, the game already happened. You might already know the results. But it starts up tonight at 7.30 p.m. in Tampa against the Rock, uh, the Raptors. And did I just say Tampa? Yes, I did. Canada didn't want NBA teams to travel into their country. So the Toronto Raptors are playing in Tampa Bay. Same thing happened with the Toronto Blue Jays over the summer with Major League Baseball. So 7.30 tonight, Monday night in Tampa against the Toronto Raptors. Then they go to Miami, 7.30 p.m. on ESPN to play the Miami Heat. And then Friday and Sunday, they play at the Garden. Friday, 7.30 against the Washington Wizards. And then Sunday, 7 p.m. against the Miami Heat again. So Raptors, Heat, Wizards, Heat. The Raptors are not playing well right now. And the Celtics need to, like, capitalize on that and literally very early attack, get to the rim, hit your free throws. And once they hit their free throws make the Raptors feel uncomfortable a lot of sorts and it'll be over. Currently, the Raptors are one in four. They have lost to the Pelicans twice. They've lost to the Knicks. They've lost to the Spurs. 
and wait, did they beat the Knicks? I think they beat the Knicks, but either way, they've lost to the Pelicans twice and the 76ers, and I think they also lost to the Spurs, but they beat the Knicks. It was something like that. But either way, they're one and four. Here's the hell of it. They're still a very good basketball team. Fred Van Fleet, Kyle Lowry, Siakam, Ananobi, Norman Powell, very good. They've lost Serge Baca. They've lost Marcus Gasol, Chris Bosher, the kid who literally needs to eat a cheeseburger. This kid is so tall and so skinny. Every single time he runs, I feel like his body is going to, to like just disintegrate like it's an Avenger, like just turn into dust. I don't understand how his body functions. Chris Boucher or Boucher, whatever it is, good young talent. The Time Lord's better, and the Time Lord has to prove that to me. Currently, the Raptors are bottom four scoring in the league. Celtics are top 15. They're bottom three in three-point percentage and bottom 10 in three. I'm sorry, they're bottom three in, what did I read? They're bottom three in field goal percentage. They're bottom 10 in three-point percentage. And this could be a little funk. They could come lights out and literally, you know, go 15 of 30 from three in this game and blow out the Celtics. But the Celtics have to come out strong and keep this team frustrated. Pascal Siakam the other night before the game was even over walked off the court. The locker room isn't great right now with the Toronto Raptors. Kyle Lowry's a year older. We all know that I'm not a big fan of Kyle Lowry. But with that being said, the Raptors are st- still have plenty of talent to beat the Celtics. But the Celtics have to come out strong and get this team frustrated early because they've not had a great season. And then you have the Miami Heat for two games this week. Another team struggling right now, which means everyone needs to relax about the Celtics' current struggles. Currently, like I said earlier, the Bucks, the Raptors, and... The Bucks, the Raptors, and the Heat are all out of the playoffs if the season ended right now. So stop the count, right? It's okay. It's going to be okay. Relax. They may, the Miami Heat have a bottom 10 three-point percentage in the league. The Miami Heat, the Duncan Robinsons, the Tyler Heroes, the, Jor- the Gorgon Drogics of the world. It could be because they've had less, less than two months off because they did play in the NBA Finals because they did beat the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. This team can still shoot. They may be tired. They may not have their legs under them yet. That's okay. But this team can still score off of turnovers. But here's the hell of it. You need to score off of turnovers. As of Sunday night, before I finish recording, before all the other NBA games are finished, the Miami Heat lead the league in turnovers per game. Yep, that's right. No one has more turnovers in the NBA right now than Miami Heat. So play good defense. The one game that you can have good defense, let it be against the Miami Heat. Build some momentum on Wednesday night at 7.30 on ESPN in Miami. And then that way you can all do it again on Sunday. Win that game of turnovers and score off turnovers. The Heat are going to play that zone again. They would be dumb not to with how well it worked in the Eastern Conference Finals. Can Time Lord or Tristan Thompson defend Bam Adebayo better than what Daniel Tice did? Is Jimmy Butler going to play? How healthy is he? He's only played in three or four games so far this year. He's not playing that well. Of course, he'll probably play great against the Celtics because, of course. And then, you know, they also drafted that kid from Memphis, uh, Precious. Oh, God, what's his last name? I'm, I'm having a brain fart in his last name. But the kid that from named Precious from Memphis, he's playing very well. Again, Time Lord has to outplay him and play better. This is a big week for Time Lord, in my opinion. And I'm not asking him to drop 10 and 10. I just need more improvement, more energy, and I just need him to do the little things that may not show up on the box score, and this will be good. And then you have the Wizards. 
This one is weird. So currently, I'm going to look this up real quick. Currently, they are beating the Brooklyn Nets 92-87 to with about three minutes to go in the third quarter. Russell Westbrook has already had a few triple doubles this year for the Washington Wizards, but the Washington Wizards only have one win this year, and that's when Russell Westbrook didn't play. So it's very weird. Smart has to defend Russell Westbrook well. Jalen Brown is going to have to defend Bradley Beal very well. They have some good shooting off the bench. This team loves to run. They love to run. They love to run. So get back on defense. The transition defense for the Celtics this year, it started off horribly. It's now still horrible, but not as horrible. They'll get back on defense, and that will be fine. But this is what's most important. Before the end of this Wizards-Nets game that's going on right now while I record, the Washington Wizards league... I'm sorry, league, lead the league in fouls per game. Let me say that a little bit slower. The Washington Wizards lead the league in fouls per game. That means they commit the most fouls than any other team in the NBA. What a better time to attack the rim, get to the free throw line, and shoot better than 70%. This is it. This is the game. Do it. Do it well. Attack the rim. I want at least 30 free throws taken, and I want at least 26 of them made. Minimal in this game. And that's it. That's it for episode 105 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, you can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. Happy New Year. Rest in peace to Paul Westfall. And uh, we'll talk real soon, all right? Uh, Episode 106 will be out next week, recapping the four games, and I think the Celtics have another three or four games the following week. Looking forward to talking to you all again. I know this podcast was a little long, but there's a lot going on, and I I needed to get it all out. So we'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.